0: Good morning, Greater Alton. How's everybody doing today? Fantastic. That's what we like to hear. We have been in the middle of a six-week series that we are ending up today uh, called Get a Grip. And we were really looking at getting a grip on three things over the last six weeks. One was getting a grip on the man, meaning Jesus. Secondly, we looked at, and Alan did a three-week series on that. Uh, He did a wonderful job looking at Matthew 16 and what it means, who Jesus really is, that He is Messiah, that He is Lord, and how we can be in a good place when we recognize that and live our life that way. For the last two weeks, I've spoke on getting a grip on the message of Jesus. And we've looked at two things. One, we looked at His message was very clearly when He was here on the earth that that the kingdom of God is near, that it is here. And then that was the message that continued on in the book of Acts through the apostles and then on through the epistles, on through the book of Revelation. The kingdom of God was the message and specifically the good news of the kingdom of God. And if you go, what's that all about? I encourage you to either speak with, with, with one of us or to, to dig on your own. That's one of the things that I did in that lesson was to encourage everybody. Open your Bibles on your own. We have wonderful tools today. In the form of electronic media where you can look up different verses or different, different words in the Bible. You want to see wherever a word is used or ever a phrase is used or wherever two words are used in the same verse. It will, you can look those up in a matter of seconds. And I encourage you guys to dig on that. We, we don't want you just taking what we give you and going, oh, okay, that's good. Now I'll go on. We want you to understand what the Bible teaches and what God teaches. And we want that to be your faith not a faith that you're given by someone else and uh... then last week i spoke about uh... with the message of jesus he talked about there being a renewal of all things and the apostles talked about that again in the book of acts and in the epistles that there was god was in the middle of renewing everything don't know exactly what that looks like we talked about that it's uh... god gives us signposts pointing into the fog. he gives us some very clear direction but He doesn't let us see exactly what's ahead. Just gives, a, gives us a sign that points into the fog, and that's what faith is all about. That you have to be sure of what you hope for, certain of what you can't see. That's the fog. And that without faith, without that type of faith, it is impossible to please God. And so guys, we want to encourage you to look at that and dig on this. What's this renewing of all things? I don't know the specifics. But I do know that He said... I'm being renewed right now. That this new creation, this renewal of everything has begun in the lives of believers. And we're going to discuss that a little bit farther in the future, or later on in this lesson. But for today, we're talking about getting a grip on the moments in our lives. And it's like, well, what's that all about? I didn't even bother to do a search for the word moments. Because I can, off the top of my head, I can't think of anywhere a Bible verse that talks about. The moments of our lives. You know, I, I I just didn't find it. But the truth of the matter is, guys, that our lives are made up with a seemingly endless sequence of moments. That's the way it what's the way it is. Uh when I first thought about this and getting a grip on the moments, I first thought about uh evangelistic opportunities, opportunities that we have to share Jesus with other people in our lives. And that's the main thing that came to my mind. How do you get a grip on those? How do you recognize them? How do you take advantage of them? Well, the truth of the matter is, those don't happen all the time. They may not happen every day. Okay? But the truth of the matter is, my faithfulness isn't dependent upon just how well I share my faith. My faithfulness is dependent on how I handle all of the moments in my life. And literally, my decision or our decisions and our resulting actions in each of these moments is going to determine what our character is going to be like. It's going to determine what kind of a man or what kind of a woman I'm going to be. It's going to determine what kind of a husband or father or wife or mother or employee that I'm going to be. And so guys, I think it's important that we know That God is concerned with these moments as we're going to talk about. And what we're going to look at is, I believe, how do we be faithful with the moments in our lives? Now, several weeks ago, Tim had a lesson where his main thrust was on faithfulness. I had some fun with this with the uh, middle schoolers at the time. I was talking to the middle schoolers after church and I said, what was, what was the main point of Tim's lesson? You know, these are the middle schoolers and, and I didn't expect to get an answer from them. I was just my way of introducing what I was going to talk about. And old Corbin Stanford goes, Oh, I know. Faithfulness. I'm impressed. And now I have a follow up question to it. And I didn't think he'd get it. And so I said, I got five gold dollars if anybody can tell me what Tim's definition of faithfulness is. And old Corbin goes, Oh, I know that. Faithfulness is doing the right thing over and over and over again. Guys, that is the most the simplistic, easy to understand, and accurate way of understanding what faithfulness is. That faithfulness is, you look at every moment that comes up in your life. If you go through your day, you get up in the morning, and that moment is, what kind of mood am I going to be in? What kind of attitude am I going to have about my day? What's your next moment is how you're going to interact with somebody, whether it's a roommate or a spouse or a child, and then you go on with your day and how you're going to interact with either fellow students or fellow employees or your boss or customers. And you have this seemingly endless sequence of moments in your life. And you see, guys, as followers of Jesus, He calls us to be faithful with those moments. And today what we're going to look at, I'm going to be in Matthew chapter 25, it's not going to be up on the screen, uh, but I'm going to read that beginning in verse 14, what we call the parable of the talents. It's what Billy was up here, one of the parables that Billy was referencing uh, during communion today. We did not coordinate that, uh, at least not verbally, I believe the Holy Spirit was involved in that. Um, But guys, you need to understand some things. You know, faithful people don't just wander through life. Faithful people are intentional. They don't become faithful people just by waking up one day on the right side of the bed and they're faithful to Jesus for the rest of their life. If, if that's the way it works, I'm missing something. But guys, faithful people seize the moments of their lives. And we want to look at this parable in Matthew 25. And um, I'm going to read it. If you want to follow along, if you got your Bible, you can open it up. If not, just take a listen. And uh, I believe this is a wonderful way to look at, at what faithfulness looks like to God. Jesus, He's talking about the kingdom of God, and He says again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To the one He gave five bags of gold, to another two bags of gold, and to one another bag of gold, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one who had two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you have entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Guys, very clearly, they draw they, this parable shows a very clear distinction between a faithful servant of Jesus and an unfaithful servant of Jesus. And guys, what we want to talk about today is, how do I be a faithful servant of Jesus? And I've just got four things I want to talk about today. The first one is, I will be a faithful servant of Jesus when I open my eyes. Open my eyes. Well, what are you talking about, Gary? Well, what I'm talking about there is something I talk about all the time when I'm up here, and it's about living by the Spirit of God, living following the Holy Spirit's leading in our lives. If you notice there, i got Galatians 5 in your notes. That's a verse that I use all the time when I'm up here. I believe God wants us to really learn what it means like to live by the Spirit. But I've added a couple others that are going to be up on the screen here, if you want to follow along, just to show that, that this same path, this same, this same concept is in other areas. It's not just in one area. But in Romans chapter 8, this is what it says. It says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation But it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Now one thing, guys, kind of a side note there, just pointing back to the lesson about the kingdom of God and about the message of Jesus that we talked about two weeks ago, uh, one of the things we talked about is that one of the promises of Jesus is that we will get to live forever. And this is what he's talking about when he says, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. All of us are going to die physically. And all of us will be brought back to life. But some of us are going to get to live forever. That's the promise of Jesus. That's the good news from the King in the kingdom of God. But guys, the distinction here is he makes it very clear. He's talking to people who have made a decision that they want Jesus to be Lord of their life. They've made a decision that they want to follow the King. We would call that today being a Christian. They've made that decision and he says what? You have a choice in what you're going to do in each of the moments of your life. You're going to live one of two ways. You're either going to live by the flesh or what the Bible elsewhere calls the sinful nature, or you're going to live according to the Spirit. You see, guys, what he's saying is you don't just get up in the morning and instantly see everything God wants you to see. You have to put in some effort if you're going to understand what God wants you to see. At least that's the way it works for me, and I believe numerous Scriptures such as this support that. I've yet to see the person... That comes up out of the baptist, baptistry after they've been baptized, after they've accepted Jesus as Lord, and they go, well, I never sinned again. No, everything went well. I just knew what God wanted me to do. Nobody was ever mad at me. Nobody's ever offended. I always did the right thing. Has anybody else had that, Has anybody had that experience? If you do, I'm going to let you buy a lottery ticket for me. No, guys, that's not how it works. You don't stop. If I get up in the morning and I just go about my day my own way and I do not seek God, I do not pray to ask for the Holy Spirit to open my eyes, to to see what the Holy Spirit wants me to do, how He wants me to walk, I'm going to do the wrong thing 90% of the time. I'm going to do what I want. I'm going to do what I think is best. And I have 53 years of experience... That will tell you that what I think is best generally ain't. Right? It's not. I do the. I can. I can write a book and get old because of the first chapter because it's all the same of how I repeatedly have done the wrong thing. Guys, we've got to open our eyes to this. Look at this next passage here in Colossians chapter one, verses nine and ten. It says, for this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. Let me stop right there before I go on. You see, what's going on is Paul has never been to the the church at Colossae. He's just heard about them. And he's saying what? Since I've heard about you, I've prayed. Because he's concerned about them. Well, let's see what he has to pray. What is he asking for? He says, we continually Ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives, so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. You see, what's going on here is you got the Apostle Paul. He says, "I've heard about these people over here in Colossae. i heard about how they followed Jesus, how they made Him Lord of their life, and he's he knows." They ain't going to get it all by themselves. They need the Holy Spirit in their lives. And he's, he's saying, even if they're not praying for themselves, I'm going to pray that their eyes will be opened. They'll be able to see the will of God through the Spirit. And you see, guys, I just want, I, if you want to be faithful to God, I encourage you at least once daily to pray and ask God to see the Spirit's leading in your life. I guarantee you that is a prayer that He will answer. If you are sincere, if you mean it, unless you repeatedly, after you keep praying it, don't do what He says. Don't follow His leading. I believe God's going to show you that. Now let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to to show you, to lead you in the moments of your life and what will happen is all of a sudden you're going to get up in the morning and you're going to be seeing somebody, maybe it's your spouse, maybe it's one of your kids, maybe it's a roommate, and all of a sudden they're going to do something. They're going to say something that will that'll, that'll trigger something in you. You know, anybody got triggers? Anybody got a trigger to make them angry? Uh-huh. Has anybody been on tech support with AT&T lately? I got off the phone with them one day a couple weeks back and my wife goes, do you need a cigarette? I said, no, I did quite well. I, was, I had to, I, I talked to two different ones because the first one got cut off or couldn't fix my problem. I don't remember which. And supposedly they got my problem fixed. And then the next day, guess what? I had to call them back. And it was a mess. And the fifth person I talked to who's asking me for my phone number again so they can call me back in case we get cut off. And the last two people that got cut off that asked my phone number didn't call me back. I lost it. I lost it. That was, that was my trigger. Now the day before I could say very proudly, no, I didn't put it in these terms to my wife. But I was, I'm following the Spirit's leading. I'm staying calm. The fifth call, guess what? I was following my flesh. You see, and you see, guys, that's the way it works. You you pray for this and you're gonna see moments. And I knew it. I knew it. I had to start confessing. I had to tell people, oh, I was I blew it. But I felt justified. You see, guys, but this is what happens. When you're praying for the Spirit to lead you, that's what's going to happen. All of a sudden, your spouse is going to say something to you that's going to trigger anger or loneliness or depression or frustration. And instead of reacting, you're going to see that you don't have to open your mouth. You're going to learn, I can walk away with a smile on my face. But here's the deal, you've got to have your eyes open to see it, and then you've got to choose the right way. But if you don't have your eyes open, I'm going to bet against you choosing the right way. And that's how this works, guys. And that goes on and on and on. With you name the situation, whether it's anger, whether it's sexual immorality, whether it's lust, whether it's lying. Okay? Or just shading the truth. You're going to all of a sudden, if you have a problem shading the truth, or not you know, really letting people know what's going on, and you're all of a sudden your eyes are going to be open, you go, oh my gosh, i got to tell the truth and take the chance I don't get killed. Because that's why you don't tell the truth. You think you're going to die, right? Guys, that's the way it works. We've got to have our eyes open. If I'm going to get the grip, a grip on the moments of my life, I have to be able to see what and where the Spirit of God is leading me. And guys, the the cool parts about this is that having my eyes open is going to lead me to the second thing here on our list. If you look back up in that verse in Colossians 1, what does it say? It, uh, It says, We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please Him in every way. You see, guys, because if I'm going to live a faithful life, the second thing I'm going to need to do is I'm going to need to embrace my purpose. Embrace my purpose. See, now, purpose is a very popular word among churches today. Did you know that? It is. I mean, there's a very popular book uh, that was written back in the 90s, I believe it was maybe late 80s, called The Purpose Driven Church. And they had purpose-driven seminars that I personally have been to two of them. And Rick Warren, the gentleman that came out with a book, had another book, The Purpose-Driven Life. And I believe that purpose is huge in our lives. I believe the pitfall of purpose is that we look for a purpose that we like, that we can embrace. And then what happens is it consumes us. You see, guys... I can tell you, I I spoke to somebody at another church recently and they were talking about somebody they were sharing their faith with and they said, God's got a purpose for you in that. And they said, I don't know what it is. But I want to let you know, I can tell you right now, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus, a servant of Jesus, I can tell you what your purpose is. Your purpose is The purpose of a servant is to please my master. That's it. Now, I'm not saying you won't do any of that other stuff. I'm not condemning any of that other stuff. But you see, guys, we can get so wrapped up in a ministry, okay, or in serving and be horrible at getting along with people. And the way we treat our spouse or our children is not pleasing to the Lord. I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on. But for the first ten years of my life, I don't believe my actions as a parent or a husband pleased the Master. But I was deeply involved in ministry. In multiple ways here at Greater Alton. But guys, I had not embraced my purpose of pleasing Jesus Guys, look at these passages here. This is in Matthew chapter 25. We just read these, but I'm going to read them again as it talks about these servants. This is the man who had received five bags of gold, went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. Then after the master returns, his master tells him, well done, good and faithful servant. How did the servant know how to please the master? Because He knew the Master. Okay? He knew what made the Master happy. And in this situation, what made the Master happy was turning five bags of gold into ten bags of gold. My question is, do you really know what the Master wants in your life? And specifically, what He wants in your life. You see, if you got your eyes open, guys... You'll see it. You will see it. And he will show you what those are. And guys, it's not what you think. Normally, when you hear a lesson like this, they're going to be talking about getting involved in ministries and getting involved in things. And I want to get you, I want you to be involved in ministries. I am in a senior citizen's ministry. Did you know that? Yeah, I've got a 78 year old mother and father. They don't live together. Both are in different circumstances. Now I can tell you, what pleases the Father is for me to take care of my mother. My mother's in a wheelchair, in an apartment by herself. You know, last Sunday night, I think I told you about, uh, my wife and I and, and our youngest son went to watch the Cardinal baseball season opener with her. Guys, the challenge isn't to go do that stuff for me. It was at first. I had to learn, number one, that what pleases the Master is for me to give my mother attention and for me to take care of my mother. And you know what I had to learn next? What pleases the Master is for me to do it and not have a bad attitude. What pleases the Master is for me to do it and to not feel like it's a burden. What pleases the Master is that I look to do it and not wait for her to call. What pleases the Master is that I find joy in taking care of the woman who took care of me. You see, guys, those are moments. Those are moments. And everybody has them. I can't tell you, I would not have predicted these moments in my life two years ago. Nobody could have sat down and said, here's what you're going to have to deal with, Gary. Here's how you're going to have to please the Master. That's why it requires each of us to have our eyes open individually for how the Spirit wants us to get a grip on the moments in our life. Look at this passage here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 10 and 17. It says, Find out what pleases the Lord. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. You see, guys, you want want to find your purpose? It's right there. Find out what pleases the Lord. Find out what pleases the Lord. And guys, too many times when we look for purpose, what we're really looking for is significance and value, or perhaps even prominence. We want recognized in front of people for what we've done. I'm not going to get any awards for taking care of my mother. That satisfaction comes from my master, knowing I've served him. You see, guys, Now, one of the interesting things about this story is that all three servants knew what pleased the master. Do you realize that? The first two did because we know because the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. We know the third one understood what pleased the master, Because he tells us he knew what pleased the Master. He tells the Master, I know that you harvest where you don't sow seed. And you gather where you haven't planted. I know what pleases you. Why didn't he do it? Because his fear got in the way. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But here's the situation, guys. He didn't embrace his purpose. He knew what it took to please the Master and said no to it. The third thing that we're going to have to do if we, if we want to grip, get a grip on the moments and be faithful servants is we need to, I need to transform my weaknesses. I just talked about that third servant. And in Matthew 25, 25, this is what he says. He said, so I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. You see, guys, his fear got in the way of him fulfilling the master's desires. That was it. And guys, that seems like a small thing. And you can dig about all you want about what gets in the way. But I think if you dig long enough and you're honest enough, fear is going to be down there and is what's going to be the root of it. There's a really good chance. Let me put it that way. Okay? Um, We don't hear. I read a book, and I recommend that it's called Running Scared. I don't have the full title, but I know that's in the first two words of it. Running Scared. And the author in this book makes the claim, and I believe he's researched it, that do not be afraid, or a variance of that, is in the Bible over over 600 times. And it is the most repeated command of God. Do not be afraid. Fear not. Be strong and courageous. Okay? And I believe it's repeated because it is so common. It gets in the way, as you see it did with this man. Now, I don't know what you think of when you think of fear. I think we disguise the word fear sometimes. Here at Greater Alton, we've used the word insecurity for some time. We're not the only ones, don't get me wrong. But we've talked about insecurity, my insecurities. You've got to overcome your insecurities. Insecurity is a sin. Do you know I don't find the word insecurity anywhere in the Bible? I believe it's because when we look and we see insecurity, what are we seeing? We're seeing fear. Insecurity is basically you're afraid of what other people think about you. Or could think about you. Or will think about you. Okay? Fear I have a fear of failure. That is a fear that I have had to deal with. I've been in business for myself for 23 years, and I can tell you that is what drove me to work crazy hours and to do crazy things because I was afraid of failing. You know, I grew up in a poor home, and I grew up with answering the phone and talking to bill collectors. And I wanted no part of that. I wanted no part of bankruptcy and I feared that guys what do you fear what do you fear do you fear being judged you see guys fear will prevent you from pleasing the master and guys I encourage you to dig on that and to see what it is you see because and we're going to talk about risk in a minute But if you are going to let God transform your weaknesses, you are going to have to take the risk and act, even when you're afraid. That's the way that works. You know, I I loved it a a few years ago. You know, a moment. This is more. This is one of the more popular moments in our in in, that you hear about. But we had had a. uh, There was a. There's a bike trail near our house, and there's a parking lot for that bike trail. And I started to notice this truck there regularly, an older guy sitting in the truck. I have no idea who he is. I had no idea what he's being there. My son notices it too and says, yeah, I know the guy. He, When I worked at Circle K, he would come in every day and buy booze. He bought alcohol every day. And so I saw him there, and I thought... What's he doing? You know, should I call the police? Because he, he, he's probably drunk sitting there, and that would be safety concern. Maybe I should call the police. He may be a pedophile sitting there, you know, hunting. You know, what comes by on the bike trail. I don't know. So what I did, finally, I debated what to do, and I believe the Holy Spirit said, would you go talk to him? And so I just stopped one day, went up to his truck, said, hi, how you doing? And it was funny. I was telling this story to my uh, to my small group one time, and when I said it, one of the ladies, when I told her, I stopped. One of the ladies was like, "Oh, I knew he was going to do that." Because you don't know what's going to happen. And it wasn't anything bad. His name was Steve. I said hi. I said I said I'd live down the road. I noticed you here. I just I didn't know if there was you know anything I can do to help you or anything you need. Oh no, I'm doing fine. He was on his phone, on his speaker phone, and I said, Well, I just thought I'd stop. It didn't go anywhere. He didn't show up for several weeks, but I guess I scared him off. But guys, the point is you've got to you've got to step out, you've got to do that. You know, when when you're paying attention to the moments in your life, you've got to let God transform you. I'm not a guy that would naturally do that. As a young Christian, uh, Mike Kiffmeyer and I were both around together. Mike would not hesitate to stop and pick up anybody. Fearless. I've had to learn how to do that. Guys, I'm uh, allow God to transform me. Look at these passages here. This first one's in Romans chapter 12. It says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good and pleasing and perfect will. Okay guys, just a side note there. I can't tell you how many times I've heard people ask the question, how do you know the will of God for your life? I can tell you how to find out. This verse just told you how to find out. Did you see it? You have to allow God to transform you by the renewing... He wants to change the way you think. Then you will know the will of God and what pleases Him. You see, guys, transformation for a follower of Jesus is not an option. That's one of the myths of our day, is once you're a Christian, everything's good, and you can just die and go to heaven. Well, that's not the story Jesus told in Matthew 25, because the guy with one talent was not happy the master, said, put him outside, put him away from me. He refused to be transformed. He refused for his fear to be made a strength. And guys, transformation is supposed to take place. Look at these other two passages, and we'll move on. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16, it says, Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. That's the Apostle Paul. I think he was at least 53 years old at this point in time, because that's how old I am. And I can tell you, I am wasting away. I'm not going to regain the vigor of my youth. But I can say I'm being renewed. I'm being made new. I encourage you, if you missed last week, go back and listen to that lesson because I talked extensively about that. Other passage in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Guys, you know what pleases the master? You be transformed. You deal with your fears. The fourth thing, guys, we need to do if we're going to be faithful servants is I need to take regular risks. Take regular risks. You see, here's the situation. I wish, I've had to battle some wrong thinking in my life. And one of the wrong thought patterns that I have had, that I've had to battle, is what I call the lottery approach. Okay, and the lottery approach is one day I'm gonna hit it big and everything's gonna go easy. You know, one day I'm gonna get my business built up to this point where there's enough business and I've trained my employees enough and I can just sit back with my feet on the desk. You know, one day everything's gonna go smooth. One day I'm gonna be done parenting my children. You know, and on and on, and I think the lottery kind of embraces this mentality. You know, buy them tickets, let's hit it big. My wife and I did go to Las Vegas this week, and I just tell you, I lost four dollars. Four dollars. I knew when to say when. Um, But guys, you have to take regular risks. God doesn't. God calls us to deny ourselves daily. Not deny yourself once and then you're transformed. Not deny yourself for three months or for three years and then you're mature enough to, to go on. That's not how it works. And it's very cool to watch God work in your lives. Most, I don't know how many of you know Ashley Gill. I'm going to embarrass you, Ashley. I'm sorry. You work for me now. That's the way it works. Ashley's a teenager, has been coming around for a couple years now. It's, it's uh, Sheila Louie's niece. And uh, I didn't know this was going on, but apparently Cassie, she's a little bit shy. Is that a fair word to say that? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and Cassie Denny, is, you know, one of the youth workers, has worked with her and has encouraged her to, to go up to people and to talk to people. And uh, she's 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 proud of you. You you've made considerable growth, okay? And I didn't know all this was going on. I just needed a worker at my car wash, and you know that involves going up and talking to people, strangers at the car wash. And uh, I just knew my niece was quitting. I needed another female employee. I, I thought Ashley would be good, so I said, "You want to work? Yeah." And when I told Cassie, she just, she's telling the story about how much she's grown, I said, did, you, did I tell you, I hire her at the car wash? She's like, oh my goodness. It's like taking her growth to a whole new level. And she's having fun doing it. Guys, that's the way God works. You see, if you pray for God to take worry out of your life, God, help me not worry. You see, because worry does not please the Master, by the way. Okay, I'm sorry. I know I get quite a response when I ask about worry. Worry does not please the Master. Because He's just flat said, do not worry. Pretty easy. You can probably figure that one out yourself. But you know, if you pray, God, I want to please you. Please help me not worry. Do you know what He's going to do? First, He's going to open your eyes to see... Here's a situation that you shouldn't worry about. You're tempted to worry. You're worry about whatever it is. Your finances or you know the storm coming, whatever it is, and you have, you choose to relax. And you choose to trust me and you choose to be at peace with whatever you're worrying about and you go, "Oh, this is great." And you get up the morning, the next morning you say, "God, thank you for helping me not worry. Help me to continue to not worry." And then you know what happens? Something bigger comes along. A bigger temptation to worry. And that continues on and on and on. till one day you wake up and you go, yeah, I'm tempted, but that ain't really got no power over me no more. You've been transformed. But guys, it takes taking the risk over and over and over and over again. Guys, that's what it is. Two passages here we'll look at, and then we'll, we'll be done. First one's in Luke chapter 8 and verse 15. He's taught, This is the end of the parable of the soils. Jesus says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart, who hear the Word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. See guys, most of us don't want to persevere, do we? We want the lottery approach. One time and I'm done. Guys, in James chapter 1, this is what it says. Here you go, Nona. It says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, guys, if you're going to be faithful to the Master, you're going to have to continue to take risks. Day after day, moment after moment. That's what pleases the Master. Now the good thing about this is, the Master is an understanding Master. What do I mean by that? Well, again, it's one of these things in this parable that we often overlook. Do you know why He gave the one talent guy only one talent? And the five-talent guy, he gave him five talents? It tells us, it says, and you can go back and look at it, he says he gave them each according to their ability. You see, God doesn't expect you to do it all right now. But God expects you to do something right now. And he's going to grow. What happens? He said, he said in the story, he who has will be given more. You've been faithful with a few things, you're going to be faithful with many things. The faithful people get more to do, not less. If the one-talent guy would have been faithful, then he'd have two talents to deal with. The five-talent guy ended up with ten, and then he got added an eleventh one. Guys, our Master is wonderful. He knows where you are at right now. He knows what you need. He knows how much you can take. It says in Corinthians that He won't give you more than you can handle or allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure. And I believe this is evidence of this. We are all in this room in different places. Different places of maturity. Different places in that transformation process. And the Father knows right where you're at. But He wants you to be faithful with the moments that are right in front of you right now. Guys, I ended that. I believe there's a, there's a, you know, I started my points up there saying, I will be a faithful servant when I. And then at the bottom it says, I will be a faithful servant if I. And guys, I put that because each of us has a choice on whether or not we're going to be a faithful servant. And guys, I want to encourage you today. You may look at this lesson and go, I'm afraid. You may look at this and go, I do not take risks. You may look at yourself and go, I've been the same person for the last 20 years. I am not any different. I have clearly not been transformed. I want you to let you know you can start. It's your choice today. You can choose if you are going to be a faithful servant to the Master. And take advantage and get a grip on the moments in your life. Let's pray. Father, you are awesome. And Father, I love looking at your word and you opening my eyes. And I love even more when I'm going through my day and you open my eyes to the moments. Father, even when I fail, like when I called AT&T, Father, it's wonderful to see what pleases You. It's wonderful to know and to know that I've got my heart and my mind set on that. Father, it's wonderful to know that You're you're an understanding and gracious Master who understands where I'm at, who understands what the next step is I need to take. And You entrust me with whatever I can handle. Father, I want to pray right now That This is just something, we it's really a gut check time for for everybody in the room here today. To really ask the question, have I embraced my purpose of wanting to serve and wanting to please the Master? Too many times in America, followers of you are looking to get. Father, I've told you, I don't care if I lose my house, I don't care if I lose my business. I want to please you. Father, I pray that's something we can choose today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.